God. I'm praying that as this week goes on, that God will impress the hearts of many that something good is happening here if they know the Lord. And if they don't, that they need to be here because something good is going on with the Lord. I hope that our demeanor and our conversation and our action as we leave in and out of these services this week is a witness to people and would cause them to want to be among God's people. And so, as has already been mentioned, that beautiful song, it's been a lot of years since I've heard that, and I thank you so much, brother, for bringing that to our attention. Uh, it, it qualifies a lot of things about our relationship with God and the necessity of that nowness. We can think about good old days and good old memories, right? We can remember those voices of yesteryear, but we need to know the voice of God today. And it needs to be speaking in our life in a significant, profound way so that when we say my God is real, they know we've been with that real God, right? Amen. We do. And so uh, just pray for me tonight. Uh, I knew Ben had a busy day today, and he's really been trying to quiet his life down. I said, Ben, I think I got the message for tomorrow night. And, and honestly, it seems like the Lord just rolled out several things. I don't know if I'll get to speak on all the things that the Lord brought to my attention. And just been trying to find the, the message that Lord wanted for me tonight. Um, if you want to turn with me, we're going to read out of Exodus, the fifth chapter tonight, for a little bit. Um, I'm not going to try to run real long tonight unless the Lord just takes me that way, but uh, I've got a real burden tonight for, uh, for the lost, um, and it's heavy on me. And uh, I know I can't prick anybody's heart. I can't make them want to seek the Lord, but I know the one who can, the same one that did me. And I want his voice to speak tonight to every one of us. I want it to speak to them. I want them not only to know the Lord, but I want them to know they need him. I want them to know that they have a fear of a life without him. And I want them to forsake the idea that their choosing him is on their terms. It works both ways. God has to prick their heart. Now, having said that, you can seek him, and that may further you along the way, but God knows how to judge your heart. He's working, and I'm hoping that we're the right witnesses he's called us to be to signify the things they need to hear and need to know. And if they're not in our presence tonight, that when we leave here, the word will be living us in such a way that we somehow or another, the Holy Spirit will use us to touch their lives. You heard a little bit of my, most of my testimony last night, but I'm so thankful for the people who loved the Lord in my life all along the way that pointed me to him. Made him real in every sense of the word. And it changed my life. So, fifth chapter, Exodus. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. To me, that has always been one of the most profound verses in the whole Bible. The arrogance and obstinacy of this man who considered himself the greatest power on earth at this time and in this age to make such a statement. You know, we think that that's very foreign to us, but it's still being said today, and it's been in the hearts of many human beings for a long time. Let's go on. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, 
Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as hitherto. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks uh, which they did make there to four, ye shall lay upon them, and ye shall not diminish uh, aught thereof, for they be idle, and therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard the vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get the straw where ye can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted there them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today, as hitherto?" And then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten. But the fault is in thine own people. And but he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tell of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were an evil face, or evil case, after it was said, Ye shall not minish. You shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way. And as they came forth from Pharaoh, they said unto him, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of the servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it thou that thou hast sent me. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. So you see here an economy of great injustice. You see some powerful voices. The voice that comes out very subtly in this chapter and most don't really recognize the way they ought to. They concentrate on this great hardship that Pharaoh commanded upon the people of God. Folks, someone had said to me before we started the service, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, people act like they're afraid of it to these days. They're afraid of the voice of the Lord. It's been made small in comparison to the voices of the world. The Hebrew children were no different than us. We are slaves to this world. It calls and it lays more and more on us. We were sold a bill of goods many, many times. Well, if you do this, life will be better for you. Most of the things we've been sold have not made life better. I've been telling an account, maybe I mentioned it last night, of a 106-year-old woman that they were interviewing on PBS, and one of her granddaughters asked her, what do you think of us on our cell phone? She said, well, I think it's silly. She didn't see any prospering or advancement for us by the technology we have today. And she has a great and wonderful life at 106 years old. We could look at ourselves in many ways, and if we could see ourselves fashioned by the taskmaster of this world and the evil mind, and we don't believe it. We think humankind is getting better. Humanity is getting better. We're making advancements. You know, the devil is still roaring up and down in this earth, and he is causing confusion, and he is a liar, and he's the father of it. He keeps selling us things that life is better, and we're going to get it better. Folks, there's no better life than in what we sung early Amen. in this song. In the obedience and observance and knowledge of God now that we are in love with him because he first loved us, right? 
So we've heard that message repeated again and again. Every time that they came, and, and, and you think about the audacity of these people to believe that God had met with them. And he had called them out into the desert three days to spend time with him, to hear from him. I want you to think, we have a really hard time getting even people who say that they love the Lord and are followers of Christ to give time away to the work of God. And you ask them. And it's much like the bidding to the wedding supper that, that God gave and asked the people to come and they all made an excuse of why they couldn't be there. That's what we got. We got people who are afraid of the voice of God in competition with all the things in the world that call to them. And I want you to know, we need to signify in our heart and our life what that voice sounds like. What does that voice sound like that we're listening to that's drowning out the calling of God? This is so simple and so simplistic. And they said in the fourth verse, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Folks, that totally escaped the nerve that they had to come before Pharaoh and make such a statement. And he didn't understand the levity and the power and the majesty of what they just spoke of because he considered himself greater and higher than the God of the Hebrews. Folks, we need to have a reality check. The God of this world, of darkness, he has fooled us into believing that the voice and spirit and evidence of God in the world is less than he is. The moment we want a TV show more than we want to worship God, the moment that we want our sporting events more than we want God, the more, the more we want the pleasures of this world that entangle us, the more that we pursue advancement in our life and our society to the pride of our flesh, he's got us. We don't even realize we're enslaved. Oh, I love the Lord. I love to hear his voice, but we don't take the challenge up to go back to the world and say, my God has met with me, and I know him, and he has called me to a journey to worship with him. And that is preeminent in my life above all the authorities of this world and all the things that call me. It had been a long time since they had been in the presence of God. Moses was trying to lead them out. And he was having a hard time. Finally, he sees some grace in the work of God. And who is this God that meets with them? What is this promise and hope they have? Well, I want to declare to you tonight that it was Jesus still manifest before them. And we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> Let us go, pray thee, three days' journey into the desert. They weren't looking for an easy journey. They wasn't looking for thin and dirty, but they were looking to a God that was sufficient to their need as they went in this journey. Remember, they had escaped the desert many years ago uh, because of famine to come into a land of plenty underneath their brother Joseph and his brothers. There was a promise for them of God that he had orchestrated for them. But because of uh, the orchestration of the world and its pleading and their falling away from God, and then obviously, here's how it happens, folks, when we make excuses, when we kept trusting our Lord, we go back and we no longer have the refuge of the Lord. Those things that God had given them could have still been theirs, but we walk away. And so now they're in the authority and power of Pharaoh because of their fallenness, because of their nature, instead of the mercies of their almighty God. A people called by his name. Folks, are we not a people called by the Lord's name? Amen. You know, I'm ashamed to call myself a Christian much of the time, but I sure hope other people value me that way. I hope they see me as one that loves the voice of God and tries to follow after him and desire him and lay aside the things of this world. That's a hard thing to do. It's a, it's a hard work, but God can help us. 
So I want you to look at the words again. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Folks, is that not the voice of the world that we live in today? Who is he? How dare you bring up his name? How dare you suggest that he is real? How dare you suggest he has an authority in the earth? All the voices of our society are pushing against that very truth that was so foundational to the liberty of this country and the understanding that these early people had. They weren't perfect. Many of them were thieves. Many of them were escaping punishment that came to America. Some were truly pursuing religious liberty and justice. Some really wanted an experiment that was different than the world had ever known. There were some really great minds and prominent people that God raised up in his providence. But folks, they were the answer to prayer and obedience to God. I'm thankful that some of our Baptist forefathers led in those discussions and those pleadings with statesmen trying to make them understand what liberty in Christ looked like. It wasn't administered by states of government or the affairs of men, but by Almighty God. And men that I've read after in history who seem to be very well educated and really weren't very religious at the biddings of religious people who loved God and spending time and praying with them like Ben Franklin and others somehow have had a shift in their mind and understanding that a government that was really uh, just and fair to people could only be administered by the help of God. And not in a false way. Not one empowered by men, but by God. And many of them made publishing statements like that. You say, well, they just did that to be political. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There's being political, and then there's laying your life down for what you believe. And many of these early statesmen did that. They risked all that they had, everything, to try to advance the cause of this nation. But I want to believe somewhere in the midst of all that was the voice of God pleading and begging and leading and I can give you many accounts of that. I love history. Uh, and, and I want you to know that. Folks, if God was speaking to the people of Israel in Egypt, do you think he did not speak to our forefathers? Do you think he did not speak to those who have traveled around the world seeking to please God and follow him? Do you think he does not speak to us today and lead us? And do you think that he is not the same God that will speak to our children and our grandchildren and keep the gospel flourishing to the honor and glory of God until he returns? Well, Brother Steve, I'm really kind of discouraged. I've almost kind of given up. Well, you know the rest of the story of how the Hebrew children were led out of, Israel, out of Egypt. They went kicking and screaming a lot of the ways, but their God led them, and he worked with them. And it was an example to us. Now, <clears throat> I want us to think a little bit more along this statement. That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. Folks, everything that God asked of us is counterintuitive and productive to the world. If you go to your employer and you say, I need two weeks off because God asked me to go tend the revival, he's probably going to say, do you have any time in your bucket to get off? And then he's going to say no. But what if God comes to you again and says, no, you need to go follow me. You need to do that. How big is your God? Now, I'm asking you some hard questions today. But what are you willing to do in order to be led of God and be his people and see him move? Folks, God moves because he loves us, but he also moves in accordance to our obedience to him. Now listen, that obedience may cost us a lot. Their obedience of having the gall to come before the mightiest power on earth and ask this request as slaves who worked long days and under much hardship. And they knew the answer was probably going to be no. But their love of God sustained them in that pursuit. And the answer was no. That old voice said no. Who said, I do not know your God. 
Who is he that you would ask this thing? I do not know him. Folks, do we expect any answer other than that from the world? And so we tailor God's request and requirement of us to be his servants according to the answer of this world. Folks, we are not citizens of this world. We are in it, but we are not of it. And we would never be a peculiar people if we don't act like first that we're the people of God Amen. instead of the people of this world. We're different because we follow a different voice, a different leadership that is so counter the culture of this world. Well, Brother Steve, it sounds like you're acting us to be treat, uh, teaching us and, and acting us to be a, some type of religious order. Well, I don't care what the world calls it, but I know the voice of my God. And where he leads me, I want to follow. I still struggle in that, just like anybody else's. All the conventionality of our society, but folks, there's so much of it. How much liberty do we really have today in the United States and around the world with the way things are going? How many choices do we really think that we have? And we have a lot of freedom in America yet. I want to, I want to convey that thought. But folks, how much longer are we going to have it if we don't obey God? Are our children going to be allowed to be off on a Sunday to worship God or any chosen day of the week that they want to worship Him? Are they going to be doing it in hiding in years to come? Will they be surveyed by every surveillance of technology in this world to see how they're tracking in their life and what they're doing? Folks, do you think Satan wouldn't love to do that to every one of us? I guarantee you he would. And he's got plans and desire to do it. If, he, if the Lord will let him get away with it, he will. So how do we counteract that? We keep coming back declaring what our God has told us and asked us to do. We say, well, I'm going to church on Sunday. I don't know that that's good enough, folks, anymore. I think we need to say, I'm going to serve my God. We make it, need to make it declarative in our heart and to the world and to our Lord that our purpose and our choice is to glorify and worship and follow Him. Let's not water it down. Let's not make it palpable to our ears and other people's ears. When we say, uh, are you a Christian? Do we answer as we sung? Oh yes, I love the Lord and I love Him today more than I did yesterday. And say it with belief and, and a countenance that shines and makes them to know. Now, God can lay on hardship in us. And you think, well, the, the, they didn't respond very well to all this. And they act just like we did, honestly. We, we take one little step and we think we're really brave for the Lord. And the Lord says, hmm, I'm going to see if they really mean it. I'm going to see if they really mean it. And so as they uh, made their complaint and, and you saw what, in this very archaic language, which is hard to read, Heather 2.4, I don't say that very much. There 2.4. But boy, Pharaoh seemed to know how to make their life miserable. They thought they had it bad before. Now I'm not going to give you any straw. You got to go gather up the brush. You got to spend all that extra time. And there was none. There was nothing to gain to do this with. They might as well have been pulling all the hair out of their head, using what little garment they had left to try to fulfill this need to make brick. Folks, we get really afraid that life is going to get harder for us to sustain naturally. That the little bit of comfort that we enjoy is going to be taken away from us. Well, I can't make it to revival this week because I have this, this, and this going on. Will we suffer a little bit for the Lord? Will we? When the world makes demands of us, what will we give away? And I want us to think here. When we come to those voices, folks, how much of the time may we be guilty of having a voice such as Pharaoh? And to the world that we pursue, to those who do not know the Lord, how much are you a part of that wheel making that demand, being disobedient and denying the Lord God? 
and not seeing and understanding who his people are. I can make my religion tailored to my need and my purpose. I can fit it in just like a jigsaw puzzle. Folks, I know that we all have to be good, disciplined people and we have to coordinate our schedules and stuff, but there are times we must abandon all completely to serve the voice of God. We have to rearrange our order of importance and, and, and our time schedule and our energies to God. Things got harder. It got worse. Instead of them having confidence in God, they came back to Moses and Aaron and started crying and complaining. It's all your fault. You led us to this idea that our God would save us and that he would pave a way for us. And now it's just gotten harder and worse for us. Folks, that is the work of God purifying our hearts for him signifying the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we can't sustain a little suffering because we say that we love him, what good are we? He gave all of it, every bit of it for us. And he wants the world to see him in us, that we love him so much that we will suffer for him because we love him. And we heard wonderful words Sunday morning because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. This is a truth and gospel that was well understood by the early church in America. They were no strangers to suffering. You say, well, America was free. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't much of it free. Those early colonies were very tied to religious institutions that told them where and where they could not worship and what they could worship. And if they did allow them some liberty to worship, they were confined to their home and they had to pay an additional tax. And matter of fact, one of the, uh, the colonies that was so much in most Americans' minds, such a beacon of liberty for religion, uh-uh. I know because my forefathers came from there. Virginia was the last colony to ratify after the United States became a union and the Bill of Rights was written. And very many Virginia statesmen suffered long and hard to make sure that Bill of Rights was written, but Virginia was the last state to ratify it. I think it was 1837, something like that. It was really late. I think there was, it, they were the very last one. There was only two or three that hadn't signed it into the 1820s even. Why do I say that? I say that, folks, things don't always, they aren't the way that we create them in our mind. We talk about the good old days. <laughs> well, the good old days had a lot of suffering in them. Yes, there were some things that were more simple, but, you know, we say, well, they had time to go church. They, life was simpler back then. Oh, really? Milking the cows and hitching up the mules and keeping the uh, wheels on the wagons going and traveling 14 miles on a, down a mountain on a rugged road? That's some of my family history. And yet, somehow or another, they made it to church on Sunday morning. They had to start out two hours early on a winter day to get there. But you know what? God met them there. And here's the stories that were handed down to me by my great-grandparents and my dad witnessed them and he told me about them as a boy. He said they would get down to Old Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church down there at the foot of Liberty Mountain where they lived. And it was a long, arduous journey and my family wasn't a wealthy family. They rode on a buckboard down behind mules down that road and got there. But God met them and they would get there early and the women of the church would gather together and they would start talking about the promises of God and the difficulty of their life during the Depression, even in the 1940s. It hadn't changed much there for those mountain people. But how God had sustained them and provided for them and saved their children and they would be shouting and rejoicing and praising God 30 minutes to an hour before the service ever started. Whew. Talk about the presence of God. Talk about the God of Abraham. Talk about Jehovah meeting with his people. Folks, have we forgotten to desire what God called us to and wanted us? When we come to church on Sunday morning, we're just not going to church. We're going to meet God. We're going to tabernacle and dwell with him. We're going to live, and as we preached last night, to uh, be still and know that I am God. Folks, that will sustain you through the most difficult and trialing times of your life if you'll trust it, if you'll believe it. 
You know, I can imagine back in the little bit of history I know about your church, people who love God, meeting in a house probably, calling their neighbors, talking about the goodness of God. There wasn't a lot of attraction. There wasn't a nice building. There wasn't a big fancy minister. There were just people who loved the Lord, right? And this happened over and over thousands of times throughout this country and in Europe and other places that Christianity thrived. And they were willing to suffer for the truth and these things that we know are so precious, but they were willing to suffer for them, to bear a lot. You know, we put a little money in, in, in the offering, and most of us have some to spare, maybe a little more than we ought to have. But what if you spent hours in much labor just to be able to serve the Lord every week? And what if you had to maybe suffer a little bit of the work that might have provided a little food and well for your family so you could make it to church on Sunday and whatever other times that were bidden of you? This is not a popular word and message today. God is an add-on now. Go get everything the world promises you, your career, and, and teach your children and that, and then you can add God on and everything will be good. One of my favorite preachers called that getting a preppy preacher and a preppy Christian life. And I'm going to tell you, you don't want either of them. You don't want either of them. Well, we get down here, and I'm not going to be able to task all that comes after this or before it. And they had sent more recommendation to Pharaoh, asking why you've dealt with us this way. And Pharaoh's answer was still the same. And look at the 20th verse. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. They were coming back to give the same report. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. So what are they accusing? You've made him hate us and our God even more. Folks, how many of us say, well, you can't really be strong in the Lord and the thing he's called you to. You cannot really praise him and lift him up in the fullness of who he is because you'll make the world hate you even more. Are you guilty of that? I've been guilty of that. I'm not saying that we don't love people and we aren't compassionate. I'm saying that we don't try to go out of our way to offend, that we don't understand culture. But folks, the word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. It's not truth because it's printed in a Bible. It's truth because it's true. Amen. It's God. We say, well, maybe I can get in there and manipulate the words of the Bible a little bit and make it work to my advantage. So somehow or another, I've appeased God and I've appeased the world and I've satisfied myself. <clears throat> folks, we need to live by every word. Breathe out by God. Everything uttered by Him needs to be a law unto our heart. And did you notice here in the translation, they called the Lord God Jehovah their Savior. They knew what He had done for them. They knew who He was. I don't think they could have said that any other way. Folks, it's such a clear picture of the church today who say we love the Lord and we know our Savior, but we're not willing to suffer anything for His calling in our life. You know what the Lord said? He said that many will lose mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters over my sayings, over my truth. How many of you lost? I tell you what, you didn't ever have them anyways if you can lose them over the truth. 
But you know who can get them back and really make them yours and truly make them your brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers? Our Savior. He's the only one equipped to do it. You say, well, I would give down my, lay down my life. And our forefathers laid down in their lives. But folks, the life being laid down that really matters here is the one of Jesus Christ who gave it all. He paid the price. He intervenes for us. He speaks for us. He speaks to those that we love. He is the empowerment. I heard Brother Ben say some things that I really enjoyed in a sermon that he preached a couple weeks ago about how we address our children. Folks, we seem to be so afraid to offend them with the word of God and the truth anymore. But are we doing them any favors by whitewashing and belittling and weakening the word of God? You know, I'm so glad that it was given forth to me in a very powerful and honest way when I was a kid. It wasn't a puppet ministry, and not that there's anything wrong with puppet ministries used well, but folks, the gospel is the gospel. It pricked my heart. It made me see my Savior in my need of Him, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I couldn't run away from it, and I don't care what I had done. If I had rejected it, it would have never changed the fact that God got a hold of an eight-year-old boy and made him know his need of God. I would rather be on a trajectory where they run for years and still know and have a calling and, and an experience of God calling them to himself than to have never known or never heard the precious word of God and the hope that we have in him. We talked a little bit about how that we have a hard time uh, really knowing and discerning the spirits and voices in the world. And uh, we, we get confused on that a lot. But I, I, want, I want you to just look at a little passage with me tonight, if I can locate it here real quickly. I may have moved my marker. I think it's in the book of Second John. Got too many markers in my Bible. My Bible's falling apart. I wore it out. Fourth chapter, John, excuse me, first John. Fourth chapter, first John. This is Christ speaking, or Paul speaking, or John speaking, excuse me, through the voice of Christ. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Spirits are voices. I said that there's lots of them in the world today. When we get past this world and we get into the creation of God beyond any of our technology to broadcast our voice or the influence of Satan and his angels, it's just God. So we've got to look and discern what it is that's speaking to me. What is it's leading me astray? But try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Do we believe that? Do we believe that we have false prophets and false spirits speaking to us every day, jabbering and gibbering at us, and we're not still, and we're not hearing God and his voice? Second verse, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now, which spirit do you want to be listening to? Which spirit do you want to be following? What voice do you want to hear? The false ones or the ones that speak? What did it say? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. You can't have a part of a truth. You can only have the whole truth. Anything that has a, a beginning, an emanation, an ending point that denies Jesus Christ and who he is, come in the flesh, God, Emmanuel, with us, is not of God. It can only lead you astray in the end. And that was a colon, so an equal statement. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is 
not of God. It's not the middle ground. It's not something that's not harmful. Folks, it will kill you in the very end. It will enslave you. It will enslave your wife and your husband, your children, all your extended family, your loved ones, your church, everything you care about. It will take it away from you. And that's not what Jesus came to do, is it? He came to save us. He came to fulfill God in us. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Folks, we keep looking for this great boogeyman that's supposed to be coming to destroy the world. I'm going to tell you, he's here. He's here. He's been here a long time. He was uh, buffeting the Christians of the day that this was written all the way from the point that Christ left this world and before he was there speaking into their hearts and their lives, trying to confuse them and lead them away from God. And he's doing the same thing to us today. Folks, we are of the same blood of the early disciples and apostles that knew Christ. We are descendants of the same majesty of God in Jesus Christ. Move on. And even now already is in the world. And ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Don't start saying, only if I had the power, only if I could overcome. You already have overcome if you are in Jesus Christ. The most powerful entity this world has ever known and will ever receive has entered into your heart and life and made you a child of the great Jehovah God, our Father, in whom he witnessed to the world and fulfilled his bidding. And now he's instructing us to follow his lead and do the same. Do the same. You say, well, I haven't heard anything so plain. Have you been reading your Bible any? Have you been meditating on it? Because he don't contradict his father, and his father don't contradict him. And when we abide in his word, the Holy Spirit witnesses and testifies that that's the truth. Why do we not feel the Holy Spirit the way we should? We're not living. We're not living in the hope of Christ. We're not living in his witness. We're not living in the truth of his word and his witness and his voice in our life. It's just that simple. You know, I want to give you this challenge. Do you have lost loved ones? Brother... Ben asked that question. How much do you really love them? How much love do you have your neighbors and your fellow man? And have you ever got to the point that you just love God's creation, his humanity enough that you've ever sat and wept over the lost state of people you've just met and ones you've not met? Jesus did. Jesus did. Wouldn't you want and desire that every opportunity that you have, that God could use you to those that you love? And they could always say, I was a mamma, I was a papa, I was an aunt and uncle, I was a sister and brother. And there's something different about them. God resides on them and is a witness to me. I'm going to tell you what happens when we really live that way. They can't run away from us because every time they're in our presence, God's chasing them. And they know they've been in the presence of God and in his truth. And they'll run away from you. You know, we have a lot of history of people who just had a compassion and desire to share the gospel with people. I've heard that testimony tonight already. Folks, you know what they would do in the old days when these saints, they'd see them walking down the street on one side of the old city block, and they would go over and cross to the other side trying to avoid them. Because they didn't want to hear that message of Jesus Christ and their great love for them and of our Savior for them one more time. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that those people were persistent. I'm thankful for you that are persistent. God is powerful. He will do his work. We know that after much trial, those children of Israel were delivered from Pharaoh. But what a witness to the world that they endured to his honor and glory. I want to finish up here. They are of the world. 
than, greater than he that is in the world. They are of the world, and therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. How much do we sound more like the world and speaking like the world than we do of God? Too much. You know, I can remember my grandparents of that age and, and, and their Christian discipline in their life. You could talk to them a little bit about the affairs of this world and sports and things that they enjoyed, but it wasn't very long to their conversation turned back to the Lord and His goodness and to the Word of God and their study in the Word. We are of God, sixth verse, and he that knoweth God heareth us. Did you hear that? He that, what? We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. Folks, we often think, well, you know, I know that's my Christian brother and sister, but I don't think they really want to talk about the Lord when we get together. Really? If the Lord is really in them, they should want to talk about the things of God. That should be one of the marks that people see us as being peculiar, because when we get together, our subject turns to the Lord pretty quickly. And I'll tell you what, if they don't like talking about God and the Lord and the Word and the Scripture and the truth, I would start to say, I don't know if they really know the Lord. They don't seem to enjoy the things that the people of God are supposed to enjoy. I'd keep heaping the holes upon them, not trying to be offensive or bully them, but I wouldn't see what God is going to do with them over it. He is not of God, heareth not us. And hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We are in a society today among a lot of Christians. Well, they got a very different opinion of me, of mine, and, and we can have different opinions. But some things, folks, we should have very much in common. We should, and we should be laboring to that point. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And y'all know the rest of that chapter. Getting back to our Savior and that witness of these men. How can I say that they're a picture of us fully and completely? If we read in John, <coughs> I believe it's in the ninth chapter, eighth chapter, 56 verse. Let's start in the 54th. John 8, chapter 54th verse. And Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. And this is Jesus speaking here. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I should be a liar like unto you. So they're saying, uh, Jesus is saying, my honor is nothing. Uh, my honor is uh, the, my father, and he honors me. And you say, who is your God? Asking Jesus this question. And Jesus says, you've not known him. You've not known my God that I father, my God who honoreth me. But I know him. Folks, this is our conversation in the world. We, we can, and we can make that statement. You know, I'm not honoring myself. My God honors me. I'm not a Christian because I put out my breast and I could claim myself something to be. My trust and my hope and my everything is in my precious Savior, in my Heavenly Father. He's the one. Again, he says, ye have not known him, but I know him. Folks, when people say that we're not of God, say, no, I know him. I know him. Don't let them get away with saying we don't know him. You make it very earnest in their heart and life that you know him. I shall be a liar unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Jesus could confess no other than his father. The Father confessed no more than, less than Jesus Christ. Folks, we, God can do no less than confess that we are His children, that we are bought by a price from Him. And we can no less profess and confess that He is our Savior, and we are bought by the price that He has given. Boy, we're in bad shape if we do that. We're in bad shape if we do that. 
Now here's the verse I wanted to get to. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Now Abraham was way before Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Your father Abraham, speaking to the Jews, rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Folks, that's supposed to be our relationship and experience in Christ. That's to be our example. These Hebrew children that were to go out and be with their God three days during the desert, they were speaking of a God that they were glad to see and rejoiced in it and was glad. And my question for us today, as we stand in the world being a representation for God, being uh, those who hear his voice and supposedly be a voice for him, are we, did we see it and are we rejoicing and are we glad that we've heard the voice of the Savior calling us, calling us? Yes, he called us to knowledge and uh, relationship with him and salvation by his precious blood, but he also continued to call us into that same work that he has called in to his Father. And do we rejoice in it? And I wanted to share a statement here with you. Jesus lives in a timeless and eternal realm. We want to put him back in a box and say, well, that was back in the Old Testament and that was back in the New Testament with Jesus walking the earth. He don't, he, he's not like that anymore. Folks, he lives in a timeless and eternal realm. He could stand as lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8, to be for all ages of the past, present, and future this essential appeasement sacrifice, our atonement for our sin. By suffering natural death after tasting death for every man, Hebrews 2.9, during three hours of spiritual banishment while forsaken, Matthew 27.46 and Mark 15.34, by the heavenly Father, which was symbolized by the noonday darkness. He could provide salvation for all, including those who lived on earth in the ages, listen, the ages preceding his coming. Jesus has been standing for the salvation of the remnant of God from the very beginning before the foundation of the world. And now he's fulfilled and present in this age in the fullness of his covenant for mankind until his return. Folks, if they lived and stood in that standing, looking forward to him coming, how much greater should our witness and his voice be in our life and our belief and testimony of him looking back who has accomplished these things for us? I leave it to you tonight. To those that are lost, what are you going to do? Are you standing on the side of the voice that says, I know not your God. I do not answer to your God. Be careful. Be careful when we say that. Folks, we're denying the most powerful force the world has ever known in Jesus Christ. I would tremble in rejection of him tonight because you're going to answer before Almighty God in judgment one day. And he's going to ask, what did you do with my son? The Bible says that there will be many that will come to Christ in the last day in judgment and say, uh, Savior, I did this and I performed these things in your name. And he will say, depart from me, you work iniquity. I never knew you. There's a lot of false voices in the world. They do not speak to the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Come on, Brother Ben.